Hey everyone, it's Jordan from Network Collective, and it's really good to be talking to you all again. I know it's been a while, but we're back. I wanted to update you on some of what's been going on with Network Collective, where we're at, and where we're going. I also wanted to share some of my personal story over the past couple months. Uh, so that's what today's episode is going to be about. I'm going to give a quick update at the top. So if you're not really interested in kind of like what my story has been, and you just, you know, really just kind of want to hear what the status is, uh, hopefully it won't take too long. And then for those of you who kind of want to hear the process and some of the lessons I've learned over the past couple months, like that's, uh, that's going to be there for you as well. Uh, so hold on tight and we'll be right back with today's episode. So yeah, like I said, it is really, really good to be back. Um, took some time away and that time away really was due to burnout. And I'm going to be talking about burnout more later in the show. Uh, but as promised, I want to give a shorter version of what's going on. Uh, just so yeah, those of you who listen have an update. A bunch of you have been asking, and I just kind of wanted to share what was happening. So, you know, a few months ago, really the perfect storm happened. Production of Network Collective all fell on my shoulders. We went from three people to one person. Uh, around the same time, work became incredibly challenging and started taking up an immense amount of my time. I tried to push through. I tried to make things all work together but it just wasn't possible in that season. And something had to give. In fact, a lot had to give. It, so Network Collective, as you know, we've kind of been on a break for the past few months. Uh, but on top of that, I ended up uh, moving jobs as well. I'm now working at uh, WWT in their global engineering group. So the short story about where we are today is that all is good. Um, I'm feeling much better personally. I've, uh, I've had the urge to get things going here at Network Collective towards the end of last year, but Going into the holidays, it didn't make sense to get things rolling then. So here we are at the beginning of 2020, and we're starting things up. We're uh, picking production up. We're scheduling. We've made some adjustments to make it more sustainable as kind of like a one-person operation. And there's some more details and some other changes later in the show, but there's a, a bunch of stuff that we're doing here. And so I just wanted to share that, you know, things are all right. We're, we're continuing on doing what's going on. The too long, didn't read version of the story is it turns out you can't just keep working harder <laughs> uh, when things get tough sometimes. Um, and it doesn't always work that way. So I took some time off to kind of get my passion back and to, to really get, you know, the desire to do this back. And, and now we're pushing full stream ahead. Uh, the time off was great. I'm feeling better. And really, we're just back to regularly scheduled programming, if you will. So that's a super high level. For, so those, for those of you who just want to bow out, you don't really care about my story of burnout and the lessons I learned and all those things, feel free to move on. Um, thanks for the patience. Um, but I do think that uh, I learned some interesting lessons in this process, and I, I really would like to share them because I think that oftentimes the picture that's presented amongst people who are putting content out there in this community is there's there's just a, an aura of either perfection or that these people have their act all together. And I can tell you very clearly that I have not had my act all together for the past couple of months. I've been going through some difficult things. There's been some challenges and it has not been perfect. And so I think in sharing my journey, I'm hoping that maybe someone else might learn something from it. Because uh, I can tell you, it it took me by surprise. I've been doing this for 20 years. I've watched other people burn out and I had no idea. So when I think about burnout and when I've looked at burnout, I mean, throughout my entire career, that was always something that happened to other people. 
I don't know why I had this perception. I mean, I always, I, I guess was one of those people that I could just, I was the guy who I was always willing to work harder. I was always willing to take on more. I was willing to take on personal responsibility when others wouldn't. It was one of the characteristics in me that I actually was most proud of was the fact that like I could take on additional stress and it really didn't seem to affect me the same way that it seemed to affect a lot of other people. And when I looked at what my behavior was saying, I mean, now I never had this conscious thought. These words never came out of my mouth, but my behavior distinctly said that I thought I was immune to burnout. It's not true. (laughs) Nobody is immune to burnout, but that was what my actions said. My decisions, the way that I interacted with my work and with my peers and other things is that that wasn't me. That was other people. So I want to take a step back. Like this is what happened. And I obviously gave like the 30,000 foot view just a minute ago, but this is what happened. So I was involved in a project at work and that project at work, it was a deployment of SD WAN. Now my job at, at, at my, at my employer had changed a couple of years prior to this. And I, I became more of an architect and less of a doer. My job was more about having conversations, high level architectural conversations with, with our customers and helping them understand and make good decisions around technology. But one of the things that came along with this position was that any time that we had something new, uh, a technology that maybe we weren't comfortable with, weren't familiar with, hadn't rolled out a lot, it was my responsibility to kind of take that on, figure out how to do it, and get the team up to speed. And so a lot of these software-defined technologies kind of fell on my shoulders to figure out how to do and how to deploy. And until we got the team ramped up, it was my job to kind of like lead those projects, both as an architect and as an engineer. So we had done a couple of small SD-WAN projects and they had been successful. Um, But our first really large one kind of fell on my shoulders to do the architecture and engineering for up front. And the way that we structured it was that we were going to do, you know, the entire project uh, wasn't going to be mine. I was going to do a lot of that upfront work, building out templates, figuring out what the actual design is going to look like and do like the first six sites of deployment. So a couple of the major hubs and then, you know, a spattering of sites of different types so that there was a model for the next engineer to come in and pick up. That was my responsibility for this project. So we got into the project and we did all that upfront work and got to the point of rolling out. And this particular product was pretty buggy. It was very, very challenging. So we, we worked through these six sites, but it was just an absolute struggle to get them stood up. It was uh, really, really challenging. And, and we got to the point where the six sites were up and they were functional, but they weren't like exactly the way we wanted them to be. We had done a bunch of workarounds. We had a bunch of open tech cases. We had a bunch of identified bugs that had been reported back to the OEM. And it was just in no place where I felt like I could hand it off to another engineer and feel comfortable about that. It wasn't that another engineer couldn't have handled it. I'm sure there was somebody else on the team who could have picked it up and struggled through just like I was struggling through. But I had this sense of personal responsibility that I'd taken on this project. and I didn't want to hand it off in like this really, really messy state. And so I didn't. And my management agreed that like, that was the right thing to do. But here's the problem. I mean, any of you who've worked in, uh, in a reseller or integrator type role where you are doing, you know, different you know, types of work out in front of customers, 
you know how it gets. Um, you, you get to the point where you're scheduled for sometimes months at a time. And I, that's where I was. I had this time allocated for this to get through these, you know, six sites and to do all of that upfront work in the system. But then I was supposed to move on. I was doing a lot of other type of work. I was doing assessments and I was doing, you know, different types of uh, engagements for design and conversations, like I was saying. And so like those things were all backed up and I had two months worth of work that it was waiting for me to get through this project. And none of that work could be handed off either. So I ended up in this position where I pretty much had two jobs. So I had my my regular scheduled job, which was the, the stuff that had been waiting for me to become available. And then I had the gig that I was supposed to be able to walk away from that I couldn't walk away from. And that gig was happening like in the margins. That's the way that I explained it. I was working at nights. I was working on weekends. I, when I had moments at a customer, when I wasn't engaged with them, I was trying to do this. And all of this time, I'm continuing to do configurations. I'm continuing to roll out sites. I'm continuing to um, manage tech cases and do all the things that were required to get this thing rolling. And every time it felt like we were going to get over the hurdle, every time where it felt like we were just at the end and we were ready to... Um, to take the next step and be able to hand it off to the engineer and move on, there'd be some other significant and catastrophic thing that we'd have to work through. And there just was no end. And so I'm finding myself working these two jobs, I'm working my, my day job, which is all the regular scheduled work. And I'm working also my other day job, which is all the work that remained because of the fact that we had this really, really buggy implementation and no one myself or my management felt comfortable handing it off to somebody else. And then there was the third job, which was Network Collective. Now, Network Collective obviously is a choice. It's something that I choose to do. It's something that is uh, extracurricular, if you will. It's something that uh, does not have to happen, but I'm passionate about it. It's something that I believe is valuable. Obviously, I invest a lot of time and energy and effort into making it happen. And this all happened with my personal job right after all of the responsibility for Network Collective landed on my shoulders. Network Collective has always been a three-person enterprise. We've always had three people. And then those people have shifted a little bit over time. But this was the first time that one person was trying to do it all. And I was trying to figure out how to make it all work. I was trying to figure out how to balance the work at Network Collective. But obviously, it was you know there was a lot there. We had planned our content. We had planned our schedule. We planned a lot of our things based off the fact that three people were going to be doing that work. So that was a lot. And so I had my work, which was a lot. I had Network Collective, which was a lot. Now, see, one of the things that I've always kind of felt, I, I'm a believer in seasons. I think that work ebbs and flows. I think that our pro productivity ebbs and flows. I think our passion ebbs and flows. And there are high seasons and there are low seasons. And I give, and I've tried to always give a lot of flexibility to the people that I work with to have those low seasons and not have it be a big thing. So if you're going to work and you're going to do your thing and maybe there's just a time where you've lost your passion or there's other things that are demanding your attention or there's just whatever, that's okay because there's, there's these seasons and things will turn around. And when things turn around, uh, you're going to be at 100%. Maybe I won't be at that time. And then it all evens out in the end. Like there's no way to be always on for everything you do all the time. 
And the funny thing is, is that when I, when I think about these seasons, when I think about that, I give everybody else all kinds of flexibility, but I don't do it for myself. Because to me, whenever I got in those low seasons, when I got in those seasons where it felt like I wasn't being productive, my answer wasn't to give myself grace and to give myself flexibility and to give myself the things that I would offer to anybody else. My answer to that was to work harder. My answer was push through this low season will end eventually. The passion will be back. And all you have to do is just kind of just make it happen. Just do what needs to be done. It's, I mean, it's a very much a pick yourselves up by the bootstrap type mentality. And it's worked well for me. I mean, just to be bluntly honest, it's worked well for me for 20 years in my professional career until it didn't, which is now. So what happened is I started feeling tired and I, that's not unexpected. I'm doing a lot of work. I, I'm doing by any definition, three jobs and possibly even more. And that's stressful. That's tiring. That's exhausting. So tired isn't unexpected. I thought it was just a low season and I just needed to push through and it, things would come around. And I kept pushing and I kept pushing. And as that happened, what happened is I, I started to lose any desire to do the work at all. I get up in the morning and this was the first time in my career I'd ever experienced this, but I didn't want to get up and go to work. I mean, this, I feel so privileged to do networking. I mean, just a, as a little bit of an aside here. We're all stupid lucky. If you're working in IT engineering in any capacity, I feel like this career is the right time at the right place. I watched my dad. My dad was a super hard worker, is a super hard worker. He's, he's still doing, he's still working hard, but he worked hard physically his entire life. He's a mechanic and he was turning wrenches and he had to work on, you know, concrete floors and in cold warehouses and he, he had to work. I don't really work. I mean, I work, right? But my, my work is mental. My work is, is with my intelligence. I get to work inside. I get to be comfortable. Um, there's often times when work is difficult. There's a lot of hours or maybe it's super challenging. And I'm definitely not trying to detract from what we do because what we do is hard. I mean, there's a lot of value in it. There's a reason why it is a well-paying uh, engagement or, or an industry. But the other side of that is that it could be a lot worse. And I feel incredibly grateful to work in this industry where I don't have to do a lot of those, you know, physical things that a lot of our parents had to do. Uh, we have the ability to be knowledge workers where there were far fewer knowledge workers in previous generations. And so it felt really, really selfish of me. But I felt like I didn't want to get up and go to work. I didn't want to do the things that I liked. And even crazier... I didn't want to do Network Collective, which is a passion project for me. It's something I'm super passionate about. It's something I absolutely believe in. But I was getting to the point where it just wasn't something I wanted to do. I didn't want to schedule. I didn't want to record. I didn't want to talk about networking. I didn't want to talk about work. And I didn't recognize that, sh that shift. It started happening, but it wasn't, it was no longer just being tired. I had lost all interest. And in losing all of that interest, it's just... That, that's the step. I mean, that's the step for me when, when I think that it went from being one of those low seasons to being burnout. But honestly, I had no idea. I had no clue. I just kept pushing as if it was a low season and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And here's the part in the story where a good friend 
(laughs) without even knowing what they were doing, stepped in and did a huge positive thing for me. And I don't even know how much they really know it. I mean, I've told them, but I don't know how much they recognize uh, how significant it was. So uh, Denise Fishburne, uh, many of you are familiar with her. Uh, If you are friends with fish, and by the way, even if you don't know fish, you're friends with fish. That's just the way that it works. Um, you, you know who she is. She is just one of the most amazing people in this networking community. And she shares so much of her, um, not only her technical capability, which is significant, but she shares a lot about her story. And a couple of months back, she released a, a video on YouTube. And in that video, it was her personal history as it related to burnout and some of the lessons learned from those experiences. Now you can find it on YouTube. I'm going to include the link in the show notes. I highly recommend you go watch it. As I watched that video, it was like someone flipped the switch. The light bulb went on. (laughs) That was me. Like she was describing me because she was describing that move into not really wanting to do it anymore. That move into being so discouraged and just not having any passion for something that you've had passion for for quite some time. She was explaining my situation to a T. I don't want to steal her content, so you need to definitely need to go watch her video. She uses this great analogy using toast of all things. I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. But one of the points that she brings up is that as engineers, we tend to do post-mortems or lessons learned when something doesn't go exactly as planned or you know something happens that we didn't expect. And her point is this, is that while that's great to do that in our work, it doesn't stop there. It can continue and should continue on into our lives. And so I've been given some thought as I'm kind of feel like I'm on the back end of this season of burnout on, on why I was susceptible. So what characteristics in me um, made me more susceptible, I don't even know if more is the right word, made me susceptible to burnout. Now, these characteristics are personal. You know, these are descriptions of me. Uh, it is completely possible that nobody listening has these characteristics, but I don't think that's true. I don't think that these things are unique. I think that it's pretty common and pervasive, or I should say many of them are common and pervasive amongst uh, IT engineering. And so I'm just going to share some of those things that I see in myself that made me go, oh, wait, <laughs> that's part of the reason. And the first one is, is simple. And I mentioned it before. I wasn't looking for it. I had no idea that burnout was even a possibility for me. I was pretty naive here. I, w- I was looking at it like that happened to other people and it wasn't relevant to me. And so by not looking for it, I wasn't looking for warning signs. I wasn't looking for anything in my life that was telling me I needed to slow down or step back or do something that was going to put me back to a state of healthy. And so that lack of attention was a significant component of it. Um, One of the other things that that I am is I'm focused on logic a lot. So I can solve problems when they're logic based. Those are things that I feel comfortable solving. So when I was presented with this, and that's, I don't think this is really a logic thing. This is a, you know, uh, there's no A plus B equals C equation to burnout. There's no consistency from person to person. It's really just kind of like this personal experience, this thing that you have to learn. As I'm sitting there fighting that, oh, and the answer isn't a clear one either. I think it's going to be a little bit different for everybody about how you solve burnout. I didn't try to solve it. I didn't try to fix that problem. I didn't try to get myself out of the low season. I just focused on the problems I could fix, the logic problems, the things that were comfortable, like scheduling, production, like my job and delivering the things I was doing. 
um, meeting my own personal obligations, those types of things. Those were the things that I paid attention to. Those were the things that were solvable to me. And so by, by not paying attention to the fact that, you know, burnout was possible and only focusing on things that I could actually solve, I was ignoring what was the bigger issue. And that was the fact that I was burning out. One of the other characteristics that I recognize, and this is going to sound a little bit self-aggrandizing and I don't mean it to be this way, but I have a deep level of personal responsibility. I put a lot on my shoulders. I set a high level of expectation and then I push myself to deliver on that regularly. There is a cadence to Network Collective. There is a certain you know, production schedule. We haven't, that's something that we have set up. That's something that, you know, internally was this is going to be what the production schedule is. There's no expectation there from anyone but myself, but that is that deep level of personal responsibility. I'm going to hit that thing because I said I was going to hit that thing. Same thing with my work. A lot of the expectations that are on my shoulders do not come from anyone but myself. I could give myself leeway and flexibility in these things, but I don't because I have this high level of expectation of being able to deliver and deliver consistency consistently. And I think that that contributed because I didn't want to let those things go. I didn't want to take a step back. I kept pushing. I kept pushing. Like I said, just work harder. Eventually you get to the other end of the season. It just didn't work that way. I'm also a bit of a perfectionist. I am in this in some things and not all things. So I don't want to like make it sound like I'm, you know, um, perfectionist in all things. And I try to be perfect in everything because I don't. But when it comes to things like Network Collective, I'm more of a perfectionist than I should be. And it's something that often stands in the way. It's something that um, that statement, uh, perfection is the enemy of good, is something I have to keep in my mind because if I don't pay attention to that, I will harp on specifics to get it absolutely perfect to the point that it doesn't ever get done. So <clears throat> that, that played a role here. And the other thing that I feel is I feel like I'm ambitious. Now, that word has a bit of uh, a negative connotation uh, to some people, so maybe a better word would be passionate. Um, But I want to do well. You know, when it comes to my job and when it comes to, you know, the things that I commit to from a a career perspective, I want to do those things, and I don't want to be average at them. I want to be excellent at them. And when it comes to Network Collective, I don't want to be average. I want to be excellent. I want to do everything excellently. And that's ambitious or passionate or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it's part of my personality. Uh, okay is not good enough. We're going to do better. And a lot of this is driven from the fact that when I get to the end of my career, I've got one shot at it. And when I get to the end of career, I want to look back and say, hey, I did something. I don't want to look back and go, whatever, like I don't see anything significant. At the end of my career, I want to look back and say, I helped here. I did this. This was of consequence. And, you know, I left my mark and I, and I made something better. And so that's a lot of like a lot about what Network Collect is about. It's about building up community and doing the things that I can with the things that I have and just kind of stepping out and trying to make those things happen. That's all ambition. That's all passion. And so I look at these things and they're all, I think, overall good characteristics with the exception of being naive about burnout to begin with. Those characteristics are not bad characteristics. So things that have actually worked incredibly well in driving success in my career since I started. And so these are all good characteristics. But the problem is, is they make me susceptible, me personally. And I think that if you have those characteristics, and maybe you have other characteristics, maybe it's not just these. These are the ones that I identified to myself when I looked at it and said, hey, these are the things 
that if I don't put a check on them, uh, if I don't put some restraint and constraints on, you know, how hard I push in particular seasons of my life, they can lead to a bad spot like this one. So yeah, that's what I wanted to share. That's, that's kind of my, my story over the past couple months. Now, obviously I'm coming at it from a better place now. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling much, much better. I got away. I picked up some other hobbies, some other things that were fun that were not networking related at all. I've gotten my passion back. I'm super excited about my new gig at, at Worldwide Technology. It is uh, fun and engaging and I work with some really, really smart people and there's just tons of opportunity there to do good work. And so I'm excited about that. Obviously with Network Collective, I am excited to get started again. I'm back in a place where I want to see this go. And so for a more comprehensive picture of what that means going forward, uh, we are going to be releasing, you know, like our community roundtable uh, that comes out every other week, uh, short takes, you know, uh, weekly that I might be pulling them back a bit. We're going to, I'm going to play with that a bit, but ultimately what I'm doing is I'm, I'm going to set it up. So there's breaks built into the production schedule because the way we did it before is it was just constant. There was no breaks built in. It was just the way that it was. So I'm going to go to more of a, a season style um, production schedule. Uh, the way it's going to look, at least the way that I'm setting up now is like, I'm, we're going to produce content, you know, January through June, take July off and then do, you know, August through November and then take December off. That may change. I don't know how that's going to look in the long run, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that just the appearance of breaks, <laughs> Uh, and actually obviously taking them, having the execution of breaks, uh, will make a significant difference. And, um, one of the other changes that we're making, this is a little sad to me. Well, it's more than a little sad. It's very sad to me is we're, uh, discontinuing the membership. So membership, when we started it was something that absolutely required multiple people participating in. There's no way that one person would be able to keep that level of content and that level of commitment up. When it was just down to one, I did some refactoring, trying to make it all work, and it just it just wasn't possible. And so what I also realized is that by having money attached to the delivery of that content and the, the building of that system, it added additional pressure where the requirement now wasn't simply something that I put on my own shoulders, but it was something we committed to and someone paid for. And so uh, we're going to continue through May of this year, kind of meet our existing obligations. And if you're a member, you've already heard this. We've sent out an email. We've been talking about it in the Slack. So it's not anyone, anything new to them. But if you've been wondering, like if you go to the site and you were thinking about membership and it's not there, that's why it's not there. It's not there because it's just something that I feel like I can meet the obligations of uh, on my own without ending up right back in the same spot. So the good news is that once all of that's over, we're going to start rolling out all of that content we developed from for our members. So we're going to you know slowly start releasing that out. So everyone's going to get the benefit of that content. We actually have more content that's being developed over the course of the next couple months, stuff that was already in in production and in motion. So there's even even some new series coming out. Uh, that are that were intended for members that you know everyone's going to get the benefit of so that's great uh, there's going to be a lot more content out there for for people to consume and working through both you know personally and with the people who are members how we can continue pushing forward with the idea of 
uh, community and mentorship and, and building the ideals that were there without that, you know, that additional commitment of the fact that someone paid for it. And so I think that we're going to see some changes there. I don't think the idea or the concept is going to go away. Just the exclusive content goes away and the cost goes away. Uh, those ideals are still very much important and ingrained into who we are as network collectives. So that's a big deal. Uh, speaking about community, one of the things that we're starting up in the new year is a community blog. If you are a writer, if you've ever considered being a writer, if you have something to share, which by the way, if you've worked in uh, networking for any period of time at all, I promise you, you have something to share. It's not all about, you know, doctoral level thesis type information. There's a lot of information from those very early formative years uh, that's incredibly valuable to all the other people who are walking through that same walk. Uh, we have a blog. You don't have to start your own. If you want to start your own, that's fantastic. If you want to go write on some other community blog, that's cool too. Just Network Collective is another option. So it's I'm going to move all of my blogging, which is not often. I'm going to try to do it a little bit more. But I'm going to move my blogging to Network Collective exclusively um, and kind of like mothball my site. But the um, But it's there and it's open. And if you have an interest in doing something like that, please come join us. Uh, you can go to blog.networkcollective.com. And you can register there uh, if you're interested and yeah, write, share, share what you know, share what you're passionate about. And it's just one of those cool places to continue to build a community and to continue to give highlight and, and support and build up the people who are contributing content to this, this awesome community that we have. If you were astute, you would notice that I said blog.networkcollective.com, not thenetworkcollective.com. We're saving you three characters now. Uh, I guess it adds up over time. I know it does for me. Uh, NetworkCollective.com wasn't available when we started Network Collective, and it became available, and we picked it up. And so now I've made the move to move all of our URLs and all that stuff over to NetworkCollective.com and blog.NetworkCollective.com. If you have links or you're following stuff from things that existed before, it will all still work. It all just redirects. We're not getting rid of the old URL. But from here on out, it is NetworkCollective.com. Uh, just, just, just that much easier. See, we, we, uh, we aim to please and make things easier. And kind of the last thing I want to do before, um, before I close out this episode is there were a number of you who reached out to me over the last few months that were checking in on me or checking in on network collective. And I just want to say thank you for those who checked on me personally. It was a bit of a light in a dark space. Um, it was, unbelievably encouraging. I can't even express how encouraging it was. And so for those of you that reached out, you know who you are. Um, thank you so much. And for those of you, even that reaching out about Network Collective, even if it wasn't me personally, you were just curious about what's going on with the show. That's really reaffirming, right? So to, to know that what we're doing here matters to the degree that you miss it when it's not here, that is... Uh, that demonstrates to me that what we're doing has value. And in that spot where I wasn't sure, I didn't know what was going to happen with Network Collective. I didn't know if I was going to be able to continue on with it. This is, you know, one of those things that's just like, hey, this is really, really valuable uh, to at least some people <laughs> out there. And so, uh, again, whether you reach out to me or you uh, to check on me or you reached out about uh, the podcast, thank you. That was really cool. Um Again, just super humbled and encouraged by this community. It's awesome to be part of it and developing content. And it was, uh, it was like I said, it was uh, something to be noticed to 
it was reaffirming to be noticed when you weren't there. So <clears throat> I think that's it. Um, just can't reaffirm enough. I'm, I am excited about getting back to it. I'm excited to to get back to doing what Network Collective is good at and, and putting out content that is both you know entertaining and valuable uh, for the community. If you have ideas for topics, please do not be bashful. Um, I am looking for things and topics and discussions. If you want to come on and talk about something specific because that's what you've been working in, let me know. Uh, find me on social media. So my personal stuff is at BC Jordo on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You just search my name, Jordan Martin, um, or you can come to Network Collective. There's a contact form there. There's lots of ways that you can get involved and get in touch with me. Uh, do not be bashful uh, about doing that. I would love to hear from you if you have an idea for a topic. And, or if you just want to chat about the show in general, <laughs> I love this stuff. So, uh, so please do that. Uh, if you're looking for our stuff, I mean, it's been a while, obviously networkcollective.com is the hub. You can go there. That's where all of our stuff is at. You can go to Twitter at netcollectivepc. We're network collective podcast on LinkedIn. We're also network collective podcast on Facebook. So go find us wherever you do social media or, uh, go to the website or just whatever works for you. Obviously, the podcast can be found at any of the regular places. And you want to make sure to add blog.networkcollective.com uh, to your RSS, RSS reader now because there's going to be uh, great content coming from lots of people in the community there as well. So, again, uh, an incredible, grateful thank you to everyone for the patience as I kind of work through my stuff. And I'm really looking forward to an awesome 2020. Uh, thanks. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.